Good morning, Chowdine family. It's so lovely to be able to share with you today. I'm really disappointed that I can't be with you in person and see all your wonderful, friendly faces and have some hugs. However, it is really comfy to be able to preach in slippers. But hopefully, it won't be too much longer before we can see each other again. Let's just start by giving this time to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, that this is the day that you have made and we've come together to rejoice and be glad. Lord, thank you for keeping us safe and that we've remained connected to each other, even if it is in a digital way during this last year. Holy Spirit, use my words to bless, inspire and encourage us all. Amen. So this morning, I'd like to tell you something about myself. It's a fact that I've never shared publicly before, but I'm feeling pretty safe behind this screen. And I know that you Chowdinians are a really trustworthy bunch. So here goes. Are you ready for, to hear this? Take a deep breath, Susan. I am a randomophile. Yes, that's right, a randomophile. Now I'm just going to give you a minute to fully take that in and uh, stop applauding. Okay, so that's actually a word I made up to describe the fact that I love random things. The randomer the better. However, randomly, the only random thing I don't like are those sweets called randoms. Now my enjoyment of randomness is extended into my Bible study and I just love it when I find a verse that causes me to stop and think. And I remember Alec McLennan sharing with the Chowdian youth group when I was a teenager, so a long time ago now, that when you read the word therefore, you should ask yourself, what is it there for? You see, random things just stick with me. But you know, his words over the years have caused me to be curious about scripture and to investigate the seemingly random. So today I'm going to share a few verses with you and we find them in 2 Samuel chapter 23 verses 20 to 23. Benaiah, son of Jehoadiah, a valiant fighter from Kabzeel, performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. And he struck down a huge Egyptian. Although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Benaiah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Benaiah, son of Jehoadiah. He too was as famous as the three mighty warriors. He was held in greater honour than any of the thirty, but he was not included among the three. And David put him in charge of his bodyguard. But it's the first verse here that seems the most random to me. So I'm just going to read that one to you again 
So 2 Samuel 23 verse 20. Benaiah, son of Jehoadiah, a valiant fighter from Kabzeel, performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. One random verse made up of just three random sentences. But you know, they jumped out to me and got my random mind whirring. So let's picture this scene. I think it's worthy of any like Hollywood movie here. But there's this guy called Benaiah and he's just going about his daily business, which is fighting and killing. And then he, he sets off to kill a lion, as you do. And maybe that's not so random, given what we've previously read about him. But let's hold on for a minute. The lion's in a pit. Now, surely that's not the best environment for man versus beast. I mean, how will Benaiah get into the pit? I imagine he either has to jump in and could perhaps startle the lion, or perhaps he's going to have to climb down backwards and not see where the lion is, making himself very vulnerable. So it would seem that he's at a disadvantage for a surprise attack. And then we're going to check the weather forecast. And it's snowing. Now, I don't know about you, but that hardly seems ideal conditions for going hunting. It's slippy underfoot and your visibility is reduced. I don't even like to go out walking in the snow. I kind of stiffen up and walk really awkwardly because I'm scared of falling over. You know, but so it certainly does seem like the odds are stacked against Benaiah as he embarks on this rather obscure mission here. But you know, that verse is there for a reason. And although it may seem random, I actually think that each one of those three short sentences there has an encouragement for us today. So the first encouragement that I'm going to share with you is that God knows your name. So when we're reading the Bible and we want to understand what a person's like, we tend to look at their name because biblical names are deliberately designed to give us a clue into the character of that individual. And this verse starts off by introducing us to Benaiah, the son of Jehoadiah. So we can assume that both names are important. You know, father and son are both mentioned there, get a bit of family history. And Jehoadiah means God knows and Benaniah means God builds. So our names are important to us as well, because after all, in most circumstances, we carry them from birth to death. And often a name is the first thing that we find out about a person. And we can make all sorts of assumptions about them because of what they've been called. And science's studies have proven that when we're in a large group of people with multiple conversations going on at the same time, you know, if we hear our name, then that's what we tune into. So it's usual that parents give a lot of thought into giving their baby just the right name um, and 
We can often choose a name because it reminds us of a family member or after a great historical character or maybe because we like the meaning behind it or that it just goes well with other family names. On the TV programme, 19 Kids and Counting, all of the children there have names beginning with the letter J. Now, I think that's a pretty big challenge to think of that many names all starting with the, the same letter. And it's become popular, um, given that we have a big celebrity culture in the world today, to have a bit of a, a standout, an unusual name. Um, Kanye West named his son North. So let's kind of hope that he never loses direction in life. And I know that when I look at things that have my name on, you know, in gift shops and things, it'll often say Susan, meaning gifted. And then I look at others and every other name means gifted too. And while we were in Tanzania, the babies there were often given a name based on their like their future potential character or personality. Um, so, you know, there was names ranging from Baraka, which means gift, or Tabu, which means trouble, or how about the name Sarangima, which randomly means the whole fish. I don't know what you would call somebody who was part of a fish. Um, but usually we, we don't actually get to choose our own name. It's not something that we get a say in. We don't get to pick what we're going to be called. But isn't it great to know that no matter what we're called or the meaning behind our name, that God chooses us. We read in Isaiah 43, chapter 1, and this is from the Message Version. Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name. You're mine. Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name. You're mine. And when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, often we don't receive a new name, but we do get a new identity and we become a child of God. So God knows our name. And the second encouragement from that verse is that God equips us with our skills and strengths. Benaiah was a valiant fighter, one of David's mighty men. And he already had a long history of defeating the enemy. And he'd undertaken a, an extensive training program to establish those extraordinary fighting skills that he had. Now, thankfully, we're all a little bit different because despite the most extensive training, I don't think I would ever be any good at killing a lion. But there are some things that I have the skills and talents to be able to do. But often, even though we have those, we, we feel well out of our comfort zones. But Philippians verse 4, 13, a very familiar verse to many of us, encourages us with these words and I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. For I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger, and I find the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. Just read that again. 
for I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger. And I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. Now, doing what God requires of us may vary from maybe writing a letter, sending a gift, cutting a volunteer, cutting a neighbour's lawn, um, volunteering on a coffee cart, or maybe even moving to a different country. But whatever God asks us to do, he gives us the strength to do it. We just need to ask him for his help. And isn't it so good that we all have different skills and that we aren't all going around killing lions? Although, you know, I do appreciate that we all have our own battles or challenges to face. And one of the challenges I've set myself in the past before was um, to do 40 acts, which is where you're given a different task for each day of Lent. And these ranged from leaving random gifts in various places but, you know, as the days went on, the challenge that I found the hardest to do was to buy a bunch of flowers and give them to a stranger. It was really tough knowing, like, what, how that person would react. But, you know, knowing the why behind what I was going to do spurred me on. And it was such a blessing to see the expression on the face of the lady that I gave them to. And we should never underestimate the small things that we do because... When we do them with love, then they're going to have a big impact. And lately, I've been struck by the lyrics of the song, How I Fight My Battles. Don't panic, I'm not about to sing to you. But they go like this. So when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Now, they seem like really random words when we first read them. I don't know much about fighting, but surely being on your knees is not a good starting point for a fight and then adding to that that you've got your hands lifted up. To me, it pictures much more of an act of surrender than about to enter into a battle. But the lyrics of the song continue. Oh God, the battle belongs to you and every fear I lay at your feet. I'll sing through the night, oh God, the battle belongs to you. So perhaps this isn't really an act of surrender, but it's a posture of worship, an act of handing everything over to God and being confident in him rather than in our own abilities. Recently, I found myself in a new Bible study group via Zoom, of course, and for a few weeks, I could not find my voice. I lost all confidence that I had anything worthwhile to contribute. And although I knew that this wasn't the truth, it was really beginning to get me down. So I prayed on the morning of the day that the group was held, that I'd just find the confidence to be able to share something. And at lunchtime on that day, the group leader messaged asking me to give a two minute testimony which I did. And I, you know, I began to understand there that while self-confidence is good, it's so much better when we put our confidence in God. And he's the one, you know, that is going to give us the strength to do all of these things and to be able to use our skills and talents for him. 
And the third and final encouragement is that God gives us peace, whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. When it seems that the odds are stacked against you, when the lion that you have to fight is in a pit and it's a snowy day, be encouraged by these words in John 16 verse 33. These words I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Sadly, we all have trials to go through in this life. This last year has been incredibly difficult for so many of us. We've missed seeing our family and friends. We've grieved for lost loved ones. Some of us have lost jobs and we're all learning new ways of doing ordinary everyday things. But God can bring peace into every circumstance we face every situation we encounter and every pain that we bear. And I think this little story perfectly describes the type of peace we need in our lives. Once there was a king who offered a prize to the artist who would paint the best scene depicting peace. Many great painters sent their king, the king their best works of art. And one of the pictures was of a calm lake perfectly mirroring, peacefully towering, snow-capped mountains, and overhead was a clear blue sky with fluffy clouds. The picture was perfect, a truly beautiful and peaceful scene. But when the king announced the winner, everyone was shocked, because the picture which won the prize was also of a mountain scene, but it was rugged and bare and grey. The sky looked angry with dark clouds and lightning flashes. This did not look peaceful at all. It looked like the artist had mistakenly submitted his painting depicting storm rather than peace. But on closer inspection of the painting, there was a tiny bush growing in the cracks of the rock of the mountain. And in that bush, a mother bird had built her nest. And in the midst of the rush of angry weather, the bird sat on her nest with peace. God's peace does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise or trouble. His peace means to be in the midst of all the chaos and still be calm within ourselves. Real peace is in our state of mind, not in the state of our surroundings. The mother bird experienced that calm despite her chaotic surroundings and that indeed was the best representation for peace. So as we start a new week together, let's all go into it with a confidence that God knows our name. He's chosen us to be his children. He equips us with the skills we need and he gives us the strength to use them. And that no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in or how far out of our comfort zone we feel, that we will all know God's perfect peace. So in closing, let me just encourage you with these final words from Psalm 31 verse 24. Be strong and take heart, 
all you who hope in the Lord. So much love to you all and I hope that we see you soon and in the meantime, stay safe. Bye.